chapter number 2. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And it ought to always be a noise when Jesus is in the house. That's your, that was your cue right there. And straightway, many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts hearts why doth this man speak blasphemies who can forgive sins but God only and immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves he said unto them why reason ye these things in your hearts whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy thy sins be forgiven thee or to say arise and take up thy bed and walk but that ye may know that the son of man hath power on earth to forgive sins he saith to the sick of the palsy I say unto thee arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house and immediately he rose took up the bed and went forth before them all insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God saying we never saw it on this fashion one more verse and you can clap your hands to the Lord and be seated when we sit when we read it all right give it to me sister Fair. And David was greatly distressed, this is at Ziklag, for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. Something had happened that had changed their attitudes. Every man for his sons and for his daughters, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. I want to preach to you this morning from this, this thought and this subject. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Now, Turn down around to your neighbor and say, there's one more curve up the road. You can be seated in Jesus' name. I greet you in the lovely name of Jesus. And I want to give love and honor and respect and appreciation to all of my family, to the great POML family, to any guests or visitors that might be in this place this morning, people that are trying to decide what your course of action should be in this hour. This would be a good place to start figuring it out. This would be a good time to start making a decision. Amen. Amen. To all of our friends, we love you so very much. To those that are on Facebook Live with us this morning, we pray that you'll soon find it in your heart and in your health to be back to the house of God. Amen. We are so honored and we are thankful to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Amen. Something eternal, something satisfying. Something wonderful, something beautiful. David said, if I should ever forget Zion, let my right hand lose its cunning and let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. In other words, if, if I take my eye, David said, off of the purpose, then all the work and all the influence and all the effort that I've tried to maintain loses its value, not only for me, but for all of those that I might could have helped along the way. And not only for this life, but for the next life also. And the difficulty in what I just said is this. Amen. That's not just some theological, philosophical idea. 
That's not just something to sit about, sit and ruminate uh, 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 around the dinner table about, but rather the idea that everything that you have worked for and every influence that you have, the value of it could be lost if you decided that you were going to take your eyes off of the purpose that brought you to this place and to this spiritual dynamic to begin with. Sometimes we all just need to take a deep breath. and We all just need to step back and to call to our remembrance who it is that we are really serving, what His promise to us is, and what the destination that He has given us is for our lives. The tempestuous winds of societal change, political change, economic upheaval, philosophical ideas, changes are blowing across our world. And that's all very true today that there are certainly things that have changed and some of them uh, 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 will never be what they once were. The new paradigm, I'm not, I'm not a doom and gloom preacher today. I, I, uh, when this is all over, I believe that there's going to be enough resource to make it to the rapture. There's going to be enough power to live for God right up until the trumpet sounds. But there is a paradigm shift that has taken place. But when I look at the Word and I look at the life and the words of Jesus, I closely see Him saying this in His earthly ministry and in the years that He spent among us as God incarnate, God in flesh. Amen. He did not mar His purpose and let His purpose be overshadowed by the chaos and the confusion and the concern over what the world was doing. People tried to draw him into conversation and into criticism. They tried to get him to to say things about Rome or about Judaism. And he just would not let himself be drawn to that. He said, I didn't come to argue political things. I didn't come to wring my hands over societal problems, sicknesses, etc., etc. He said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. I came to find a bride that I could reconcile unto myself that one day uh, the mansions that have been prepared will be inhabited by those uh, who allowed the reconciling love of God to do something for them. Uh, Amen. He looked around and saw a fractured, factious society, a world, uh, 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 of his day, amen. And he turned his attention on those who he perceived had ears to hear. And this is what he told them. He said, you render unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar and you give to God what belongs to God. Don't get caught up in something uh, that is all or part uh, 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 that's going to take your eyes off of the bigger picture of what God wants to do. Don't let the disturbing, ungodly things of this world become a spot in your feast of charity. You're supposed to enjoy fellowship with God. You're supposed to enjoy the the serenity and the peace and the sovereignty that the Word of God speaks to our lives. Amen. And we are not to let this world... You hear me, P-O-M-L. You hear me, those of you Facebook family that can't be here for whatever reason this morning. Justified or unjustified, I'm not criticizing. I'm just telling you, amen, I'm giving you the best counsel that the bishop could give you. Don't let anything in this society take your eyes off of what's important. You, I'm not, there's nothing that I could think of that would get me so offended that I'd say, well, I'm just going to forget it and go to hell.
There's not enough offense that could make me execute unforgiveness because if I don't forgive, I can't be forgiven. Praise God. I ran across a new word about 2 a.m. this morning. You know times are changing when words have to be made up to describe things. Sister Welch says I make up words all the time. That's just because I know more words than she does. She says, you made that word up, didn't you? No, ma'am, it's, it's, it's a real word. I'm not responsible for the fact you don't know it. <laughs> but I read with Sister Welch, here's a good one for us. I ran across a new word this morning, about 2 a.m. It was called doom scrolling. Now, anybody that's, that, that, that's ever uh, 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 spent about 14 hours uh, 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 of your day sifting through the Internet, you're a doom scroller. The word doom scrolling was coined to describe what happens when you constantly go to your social media to check on what bad has happened and when it confirms something bad has happened, you say, oh my God, I knew it. And then about 45 seconds later, you go to it again and it finds you something else to be upset about, and it becomes a perpetual motion that keeps constantly making you come back. It addicts you to coming back and trying to see what the next worst thing's going to be, and they coined a word for people who can't get their face out of Facebook. And we got a new word, sister. Well, it's called doom scrolling. Just scrolling through the Internet, finding what doom and gloom you can worry about. What thing that you can get upset about that you can't do a thing about? Now you talk about the, uh, an exercise in futility. To get all bum-fuzzled and discombobulated, there's two more for you. Amen. Real words. When there's not a thing that you could do about it except mar your own spiritual serenity with it. Constantly looking and checking on uh, going to CNN. The Communist News Network. Amen. I remember one time when I was just a boy, my daddy was a rock-ribbed conservative thinker. And he told me that CBS stood for Communist Broadcasting System. And I didn't know he, I didn't know he was being facetious. I went to school and told my teacher, she told me she thought that was about the most ridiculous thing. I said, it's not ridiculous. My daddy told me so. And I believe him just as much. As, I didn't tell her that, but I did. I believed him more than I did her. Amen. Praise God. When we were kids, we learned a song in school, and it, it was called the, uh, the philosophy, uh, Sophomoric Philosophy. It was this philosophy. Has anybody ever uh, uh, had a 10th grader in your house? That's at that stage in life where they know everything before they get a little older and, and, and realize that they don't. 
And the words of the song went like this. It was called the sophomore's philosophy. It says the more you study, the more you know. The more you know, the more you forget. The more you forget, the less you know. So why study? And the second verse was the less you study, the less you know, the less you know, the less you forget. So why study? And I thought about that early this morning. I said, you know, when it comes to the Internet and when it comes to social media, that's not a bad idea. The less you know, the less... The, the less you study on it, the less you know, and the less you know, the less you have to worry about it, and the less you have to worry about it, the better off you are. So why doom scroll? Why would you why would you doom scroll when you got this you could be reading? Because there's another song I learned way back about 40 plus years ago, and it says, Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. I'm trusting in his love divine, because every promise in the book is mine. I heard a story here recently about a man, a man, an older man, came home from work one day, and, and his wife could tell by his countenance he was kind of discouraged and down and out. She said, "Well, husband, what's the matter?" He flopped down in his chair. He said, "He said, I'm getting old. I'm overweight, and I'm unattractive." said I sure could use some encouragement she sat there a few seconds she said well your eyesight's real good I walked in a store in Oklahoma yesterday on the way home and there was this kind of disheveled looking man standing at the counter I was waiting waiting in line there and he was buying lotto tickets and he was trying to explain and I don't know a thing about lotto tickets to some of you that uh, uh, play them you'd have to explain it to me but he kept telling them I want this one such and such and this and such and such and this and such and such and I want to add the multiplier to it well, I thought to myself, now I know what he means by multiplier. It's some kind of trick where they get more money out of you. And he said, I want the multiplier. And the guy behind, behind the counter got a little bit amused at him. And I, I, think he, I think he kind of picked up on it. He backed up a couple of steps from the counter. He said, I'm going to tell you what. He said, I'm going to buy these blankety-blank-blank tickets. Until I win or I go broke. And I stand there behind him. I said, well, I'd take the gamble on the bet of which is going to happen first. I said, man, uh, yeah, give me that $20 and I'll pray for you. That'll be a lot better than giving it to the lotto company. I thought, when he said that, I thought, man, if I was a gambler, I'd take the bet you're going to go broke first. <laughs> but then I got to thinking about that uh, as the hours rolled on and we were rolling, rolling down the road coming home. I thought about what a constant barrage of disappointment that it must be to think that you can live your life in some disheveled disgruntled attitude that says my only hope is to win the lottery 
There's better odds of getting struck by lightning while you're picking four-leaf clover than that you're going to win the lotto. But if you do, there's a tithing box out there and one out there and one right out there. And there's a premium on lotto gambling uh, 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 rewards. It's 15%, not 10 If you win the lotto, be sure and pay your tithes. That'll go a long way toward making amends to God. Amen. Well, maybe not, but it sure make amends to me anyway. Amen. Let's have a little fun with it, okay? We don't need to be disappointed. I'm on my way to heaven, and the journey gets sweeter every day. I made it home yesterday evening. I was a little tired and a little weary, and I, I, I dropped Pastor off at his home. Somebody asked me this morning, said, did you take your uh, truck to Kansas? I said, it looks like it, don't it? It's caked with mud, and, uh, it's, and, and, it's, and that's just on the inside. Amen. But it, it, was so, it was so much fun. But we made it home, and I was a little bit tired and a little bit weary and probably a little bit testy. I'm sure I was. My wife kind of indicated that I was. Amen. I got him unloaded, and uh, no, I'm not. I, I might be in trouble, but I, I, I read, I discern spirits. And I began to think on the way home, after I dropped Pastor off, I began thinking about that poor man who was hinging his hopes on the lotto. That somehow or another, that in a little, little small town in Oklahoma, that something as unlikely as that was going to be the difference maker change things for him. Now I promise you uh, I heard, I believe it was Jeff Foxworth that one time said he was standing in line behind a man buying lotto uh, or standing in line at a convenience store and the guy said, how much is the lotto this week? And the clerk said, it's $40 million. He said, ah! He said, I'm just going to wait till it gets higher. And Foxworth, he said, yeah, like $40 million wouldn't help you out. <laughs> oh, but how wearisome and tiresome life would be to have to look at that as your hope every day. I began thinking about it, and, and, and I literally, the Lord began to speak to me, and I began to talk out loud. I had to be talking to Jesus because there wasn't nobody else in there but me and him. And I began to talk out loud to Jesus. And I began to tell him, Lord, I look around and I see the multitudes that are spending their life without a real sense of purpose. And they don't have anything that gives their life transcendent meaning. So many that are not really going anywhere and if they did, they wouldn't do nothing when they got there. Not just down and out people, but up and out people. Not just ordinary, unnoticed humanity, but the rich and the famous all fall into that same category. And then the voice of the Lord spoke clearly to me. I passed a curve, and when I turned that curve in the road, Pastor Jeremy, I saw something. Amen. As I was headed toward Frogmore, 
there was a, uh, uh, and I made a curve in the road about uh, where the uh, where the Frogmore Gin is. And for those of you who've never been to Frogmore, amen. Uh, the blessings of God have just been upon you. No, really, I love Frogmore. I do. But I turned that curve, Brother Jerry, and there, right at dusk dark, was one of the most, it came into plain view, one of the most beautiful, spectacular displays of light and beauty that you could have ever seen. Color and light so beautiful that nothing this side of New Jerusalem could have been any prettier than that. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, just as surely as you see it going down, he said, in the morning, it's going to come up on the other side. In just a few hours, it's going to come up and, and, the, and the Holy Ghost, Jesus spoke to me. And he said, until I'm finished with this world, there will always be curves in the road. There will always be sunsets. There will always be things to overcome. But until I'm finished with this world, the sun will come up again. There will also be always a reason, the Lord spoke and said, to be encouraged. There will always be a church. There will always be the power of my sweet Holy Spirit from heaven with power from on high to do my work. And there will always be a people who will stand up, speak up, and answer the call of God. There will always be some whose faith is ready to rip the roof off of any obstacle that stands in the way of limited expectancies, of ordinary self-centered life and notions. There will always be some that will decide I'm going to grow right where I am planted. I'm going to trust God to do what I can't do. I'm going to let faith prompt me to become creative, inventive, energized, and empowered. There's always going to be some, he said, that are going to commit their prayers and they're going to commit their finances and their hearts and their lives to become a part of something greater than themselves. There's always going to be some that are going to push past the next curve in the road to see the spectacle of my glory. And as I drove those last few minutes, the Lord reminded me of the scripture that I read to you today. The world has never seen it on this wise. What Mark wrote about that day that Jesus was sitting there preaching and they tore the roof off. He said, we've never seen people with such consecration. We've never seen people with such faith. Can I tell you something, P-O-M-L? Can I tell you something, faith? Facebook, live, amen. God is looking for people who will partner with him in faith and say between me and my faith in God and what God has promised he can do, there is nothing that can stop us from seeing the miraculous. The Bible says when they saw, when he saw their faith, amen, when he saw the faith of those who were willing to rip the roof off, He said, I found somebody now that can partner with the miraculous and the supernatural. My God. This world has yet to see what it would be like. There's enough people right here to replicate Pentecost. 
right here under the sound of my voice. The final display of God's amazing power and glory becomes his church's portion in the world when he finds people that will partner with him in faith. And the Bible says that when that miracle happened that day, that everybody that was there that saw what a partnership with God through faith accomplished, they said that the whole of the crowd was amazed and glorified God. There's always going to be a time when soul winners are going to be raised up to reap the harvest. There's always going to be a, a time when prayer becomes a passion and not just a way to try to secure our fleshly wants and desires. There's always going to be a time when worship and praise, once again, is the spontaneous response of God's presence in the house. All the pestilence in the pandemic and the fear and the political and spiritual upheaval is just one more curve in the road. One more curve in life's road, maybe one more mile to go. But we get to lay down this heavy load soon and very soon. Praise God. David faced opposition at Ziklag. He faced danger. He began to question his own anointing because it didn't look like it was going the way that he had envisioned. He didn't expect to come home triumphant from battle, only to find his village burned down and his family and his children kidnapped and carried off as ransom. He faced danger and self-doubt, but that's when the Bible says that everybody started being pessimistic toward him. Some so much that they were even threatening physical danger. And the Bible says that when that happened, David found a place to call upon God. And the Bible says he encouraged himself, not in his abilities, not in his prowess, not in his political influence, not in his artistic skills and talents. He was a singer and a songwriter, by the way, and a musician, as well as a warrior and a king. He ate, the, he ate the bread of the priesthood, so evidently God deemed him to be priestly also. Through his self-doubt, through his fear, through the very real danger, the Bible says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. There will be a day when the winds of Pentecost will cease to blow through the world, but that's not this day. Listen to me. Today is not the day to hang your harp on the willow and decide that the church's best day is behind them and that the winds of God are not blowing any longer. There may be some curves in the road yet ahead that, we have not, uh, that we've not seen what's on the other side of it. But I'm going to tell you, somewhere on this pathway, there is a visitation of God that's coming and the world is going to be amazed. And the world is going to glorify God and they're going to be able to say nothing, but we've never seen it like this before. The amazing God-glorifying power of the book of Acts, New Testament church. The wind and the fire of the upper room and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, sending, saving, healing, setting free power. It's been over four generations now since the wind and the fire of Pentecost burst onto the scenes of modern Western culture in these times, in these modern times. We're into the fifth generation of people that have lived since Azusa Street. 
The world systems will do what they will do. Jesus' admonition to us is don't get too, carried, don't get too caught up in that because the world systems are going to do what they will do, but God's church is going to do what it's destined to do. So I've got two appeals to you today. I'm appealing to the church family of Pentecostals of the Missaloon, either here or in cyberspace. I, uh, my appeal to you is to become whatever God desires us to be so that the world will be amazed and God will get the glory. And for those that might be here today and you're not right or you're not sure you are right with God, this is the time and this is the place. Well, I know we need to social distance, and I know, and and I understand that that if you don't if you don't comply with certain elements of that, you'll be ridiculed, you'll be blamed. If you've already passed through COVID, the best science says that you have immunity at least for months, and one report said that you you very possibly have it for as long as 17 years. I'm tell you, tell you one thing. God gave me 17 more years. I wouldn't worry about a match. But my second appeal is if you're not right or you don't know for sure that you are right, then this is the place. Don't let, don't, don't let what is uncertain or unclear stop you from being ready to be a part of that which is obvious and inevitable. It's time, it's time for God's people to step out from the multitudes, to step out of the ranks of ordinary, to step out of the ranks of the fearful and unbelieving and the unnoticed and say, I'm not going to let what's uncertain and unclear stop me from what's inevitable. The only thing as we approach the closing of the age, and I don't know how long we have, and I don't know. I, 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 I see things that in my own spirit, my own intellect, my own experience tells me that, there, that, we, have, that we are at, at a place, a juncture, where if you're expecting January the 1st to roll around and everything to go back to normal, it's going to be sweet lemonade and pie in the sky and sweet lemonade and having made in the shade. It's not, and that's not the way it's going to be. You're going to have to decide between what's going to be your course of action and what's going to be your portion between now and the rapture. You're going to have to decide what's important enough to lay it on the line. It's not a lotto gamble to trust the Word of God. The reason that God poured out His Spirit with evidences of gifts, fruits, tongues was so that you would know that you do not have to believe that living for God is a gamble. Well, what if it's not true and I used up all of my years I could have enjoyed lustful pleasures 
being a consecrated Christian? Well, first of all, that attitude is part of your problem. If it were not true, would I have not told you, Jesus said. He said, when you receive my spirit, he, he came among them. He breathed upon them. He said, receive ye the Holy Ghost because then you will know that it's right. The world is turning around in circles and not sure what's going to happen next. If you think Washington, oh my God, if you think Washington, D.C. has got it all figured out, you need to get in line behind that man at that convenience store. Buy you some lotto tickets. That way the IRS won't get that $20. But if you believe this book, oh God, if you believe that what happened at the altar for you or what the book promises can happen at the altar for you, then you've got a right to be encouraged this morning. You've got a right to believe and expect that everything that God is going to do is going to happen just exactly like He said it would happen. Trust Him with the details and don't trouble your mind and your heart over what might be or what might not be. So I'm making two appeals this morning. I was hoping that I could have ended on a well, positive note, since I preached about being encouraged. Some of you looking at me like that deer did just before I pulled that trigger. No, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to us. There's going to be people talk about you. There's going to be people talk about him and him and even him when he gets worthy of being talked about. Damn. Does something of merit to get talked about. That's right, Pastor. Jesus said, beware when all men speak well of you. Because everybody does not have the kingdom of God in their mind. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Grow where you're planted. Be a soul winner. Be a prayer warrior. Be a financial supporter. Give sacrificially. I'm going to promise you one thing. You turn your pockets inside out, and the only thing that's going to happen is if you do it with the right attitude is God's going to fill them up double. The people that think that the church is all about money, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Uh, I know I'm, I should have hushed. 10 minutes ago. Let me tell you something, Slick. You can't threaten me with being broke. One of the greatest leaps of faith I ever took in the world, Brother Matt, I had to borrow $50 to get to finance it.
I don't want to be broke. But you know what? Jesus has got enough resources to last all the way to the rapture. Stand with me, would you? Is there anybody? If you need to social distance, we understand. If you want to put your mask on, Jesus can hear you through your mask. And we'll join us around the front here. Because here's what God wants to do. God wants people to be filled with the Holy Ghost. He wants you to get past the scary and intimidating things that people might say. Get past the uncertainties and the, un, and the lack of clarity that, you've, that you sense. Make it up in your mind that you're going to believe what the Apostle Paul wrote more than what you saw on Facebook. Believe that the church is still the vehicle of the supernatural and the transcendent in the earth. And be encouraged. Would you, would, you, would you help us now? Pastor?